0: We were like, is fishing a sport? We'll tell you after the break.
1: Yeah. Spencer's like, why am I getting money from Dil G right now? He's in Vegas. He's probably blowing
0: that right now. <laughs> just, just show up at some random, you know, <laughs> automotive place. And just be like, hey, what's up? Uh my <laughs> car.
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week.
3: Okay, it is now time for our latest conversation with former BYU quarterback and now the projected starting quarterback. He's going to be the starting quarterback, right? Yeah. Like it, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the New York Jets. In fact, when does he fly out to New York? And uh, what's his life like now that everything is official after that historic NFL draft? Here's Zach Wilson, two-on-one with BYU Sports Nation. Zach, now that you've experienced a little bit of the New York media, how do our interviews on b y u sports nation compare to that madness
4: yeah these ones are a lot more fun, you know those ones are uh those ones are a little bit long and, and lengthy but they're they're all they're all a blast
0: yeah, there was like an awkward moment last week, right but uh welcome to more awkward moments with New York media, you know, like whatever all good um, exactly. since we talked to you last week uh, you know this was pre draft you you were the BYU quarterback you're going to the. Now you're officially a New York Jet, so let's talk about what that moment was like being the second overall pick. Obviously, there was a good, you had a great sense that that was going to happen, but Aaron Roderick said he saw you get pretty emotional in that moment, which he hadn't seen a ton, so what what was that moment like for you when it became official that you were the second pick in the draft to the Jets?
4: Well, I think it's so, you know, just surreal. I, I always kind of have those moments where I'm walking around throughout my day and I'm just like, geez, like this is, this is crazy, you know, (laughs) to be in this position and, and everything that's going on in my life. And, you know, I feel like nothing's really changed, but then like I almost have to think back to like my kid self and how I used to look at somebody in this position and like, you know, how much bigger it is than than how I look at it, you know? So it's, it's truly just so awesome. And then getting picked um, was emotional. You obviously, you know, hugging both of my parents and kind of just, you know, like we we made it, we did it, you know, kind of thing and, and understanding that it's just the next step. This is just one more step to get you know, to truly what I what I've always dreamed of doing, you know, and it's it's uh it's really awesome.
3: Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation. He has completed his path to the NFL draft and is now a member of the New York Jets. Walk us through the timeline of events following when the TV cameras went off on that Thursday night, what happened? Where did you go? How long were you there? And then when did you get back to Utah for a few short days?
4: Yeah, well, right after the draft, you know, you don't get to enjoy it much. They drag you into the back room and make you start talking in front of cameras and stuff. Uh, So the second I got back there, uh, it was about an hour and a half of, of media stuff. Um, camera to camera, you know, talking about how excited I was to be part of the Jets organization. And um, and then after that, I got back to the hotel around 1130 that night. I think I got picked around 830, 840. Um, you know, I head back to the hotel. We got to eat a little bit, you know, around 12, 1230. I got to bed that morning. Uh, we flew out to New, uh, uh, out to New Jersey, actually, um, at about 7 a.m. Uh, I spent time with the coaches. We got to check into the hotel. You know, I took a little quick nap and then uh, right from there, we went to the to the facility. We got toured. We got to, you know, go around, and then it was about two more hours of media stuff at their facility. Um, and then we had a blast. You know, we got to back, go back to the hotel. You know, finally relax for the day. Um, and then that night, we went out to a nice steakhouse down in Morristown, uh, the little, little little town. You know, close by to the facility, uh, and had a blast there. And I got to watch the rest of the draft uh, of that first round. Uh, see who else we picked. Uh, and then it was actually day two at that, at that point. So I got I to kind of see, you know, some of those other guys we picked. And I was super pumped about it.
0: So we were talking, uh, you know, yesterday on the show about what the Jets did to try and surround you. So obviously Elijah Vera Tucker was, was nice, right? A guard or tackle that can help protect you. And then, uh, of course, Elijah Moore, receiver from Ole Miss, highly touted. And then Michael Carter from North Carolina. So what was it like to see uh, the first three picks after you used on offensive players?
4: Well, well, it's it's amazing. You know, I was I was excited about it because these guys have a plan for me. Um, you know, they were they were all in on me from day one, uh, and that's comforting to know. As a quarterback, you know, going into a team that hasn't done so well in the past, you know, they make some great decisions, bringing in some new coaches, and uh, you know, they have they have the right plan for me. And I can already tell you, you know the Jets organization has has a lot of talent. You know, I don't know what whatever it was. You know, things probably weren't clicking for whatever reason, but they have the talent there. And, you know, there may be a few key pieces they needed. And uh, it's comforting to know that they're going to try and do everything they can to put me in the best situation. You know, being able to bring in uh, a good offensive lineman, uh, a really good receiver, a good back, and then obviously to strengthen the defense there at the end. Uh, so I think it's just really comforting to know that they're, they're sticking to what they said.
3: I'm seeing the likes of Denzel Mims, Corey Davis, you had Elijah Moore. When I say those names as your pass-catching options, what comes to mind, Zach?
4: A lot of touchdowns, hopefully. I mean, that's that's what's coming to mind. There's a a lot of weapons right there. And, and, you know, obviously people, um, you know, were saying that was a weakness for them. You know, and as I start to go through the roster, also with Jameson Crowder that you missed out on and and some of the other young guys that they have coming up, you know, maybe not a ton of depth right now, but but a lot of really good players. Uh, Also Keelan Cole, that'll also fit that mix that they picked up from Jacksonville. So, you know, I'm excited about the guys that they have. Um, and the offense to work with those guys because, you know, we're going to be able to throw a lot of touchdown passes.
0: I want to go back to the green room. Certainly a unique setup. You know, everyone, like 12 dudes and, and everybody's, uh, you know, uh, posses with them or whatever. Who who in your group there was, like, the best hang? Who was keeping it, like, light and fun? And and then who was, like, the craziest? Where were you, like, oh, my gosh, why did I invite that person? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, there is no there is no one I was upset about, you know, inviting. I, I had a blast with everyone that was there. Uh, you know, Kalani was—he uh, probably wouldn't tell you this—but at the hotel, he was—he was—he had bags of candy bars. He was—he was taking full advantage of the credit that we got in the hotel room,
0: <laughs> and he was doing
4: the best he could to
0: make sure he spent every penny on there. So, uh huh, uh huh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome.
3: Zach Wilson, with all all good, all good. Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation, recapping the NFL Draft and now pushing forward to the New York Jets. What's the next week or month or days like for you, Zach? What's going to happen, and when do you fully integrate into the Jets system?
4: Yeah, so I'm already kind of going in there. You know, I had a meeting yesterday uh, with those guys, start start installing for rookie mini camps, and then obviously. I got kind of the same thing and then tomorrow try and do some stuff in person and uh you know getting ready this weekend uh Friday Saturday Sunday we got rookie rookie mini camps uh all the guys that got drafted undrafted free agents and then also tryout guys uh will be there so it's kind of just how quickly you can learn the offense and then you know OTA is about a week later uh if that's a if that's a go um you know so I'm already trying to trying to get in with the playbook and, and learning everything that I can.
0: This is certainly a new level, of course, but you became the youngest starting quarterback in BYU history. You're 21. You'll be 22 when the season starts. Is it intimidating or nerve-wracking at all? I guess what are your emotions as you approach? You're the face of the Jets, like, and you're the starting quarterback in the biggest TV market. Obviously, there's uh, you know, a lot of pressure that comes with that, but you handled that really well at BYU, so how are you approaching this new opportunity in, in that light? Well, yeah, I
4: think it's just not, you know, feeling like I need to be the savior or, or the main guy, you know, like that's, what's so great about this coaching staff is I don't feel like there's any pressure on me to feel like I have to save the day. You know, we have such a, such a great surrounding cast of players and teammates and, and people that want to make this thing work that I feel like I can go in there and just be me, just do myself, just do whatever I do. uh, That makes me special and, and everything else will take care of itself. You know, they're going to put me in the position to make sure I succeed and, uh, the right way and so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put that pressure on myself. You know, maybe I'm feeling a little anxious, you know, really just to get out there and get going and meet the guys in the locker room and, and just kind of get situated with life out there. And so uh, I would say, you know, that's that's about it. You know, I'm just excited about that stuff.
3: I know there are very few people who are more excited about what happened with your teammates over the weekend as well. Namely the four other draft picks, Brady Christensen, Chris Wilcox, Kyrus Tonga. Your buddy Dax Milne, and then all of the undrafted free agents signed contracts and some mini camp invites as well. I mean, f- like 14 guys in total we learned about over the weekend, Zach. So, what was that like for you to watch it all unfold uh, and, and watch the remaining days of the draft and then see all of these deals come together for your guys?
4: It was intense. You know, that was the first time I'd ever watched every single pick in the NFL draft.
3: <laughs> you know, even on my
4: flight home, even on my flight home from New York, you know, I had, I, I paid for wifi. I sat on my phone. I had, I had the the Safari live page up of each draft pick and I just sat there and kept refreshing and, you know, I see Brady get picked. I get super pumped. And you know, so we get down to the last 10 picks and you know, I was sick. I was like, geez, we got to get more guys drafted. And then, you know, I had like this weird gut feeling like, okay, like this is where it's going to happen. You know, all of a sudden, you know, Kyrus gets picked, you know, Chris gets picked and, um, for some reason, I had a good feeling Dax. He was going to get picked, you know, right there at the end, of those last five picks. So I was, I was super pumped for all those guys that got drafted, and then obviously the guys get those free agency uh, chances as well. I know those guys are going to go in there and represent well.
0: Dax was almost Mister Irrelevant, second to last. That, almost. That would have been fun, right?
4: He would have been. He would have been the most perfect Mister Irrelevant.
3: <laughs> I know. I've been saying like, it forever. He's the most underappreciated star at BYU. Is yeah. he not?
4: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
3: Okay,
0: there there were some fun memes that came out with you. Obviously, you're doing different posts. Did any of those make you laugh?
4: Yeah, there were some funny ones. I mean, I, I don't know if I could point to a single one, but there were some good ones.
0: Yeah, it, when you're in the spotlight, it's just natural. If you're not memed, you're right. probably irrelevant. Even Michael <laughs> Jordan gets memed. You know what I mean? Everyone
4: gets memed at this age. You just got to get you just got to laugh it off.
0: Yeah. How many how many interviews are you doing a day right now? By the way
4: yeah well, I got you know I got this one obviously, and uh, you know the media stuff I did uh, back in New York was the last thing that I did. Um, you know we try and avoid a lot of stuff unless it's you know big media sources or stuff for BYU. Um, you know that's a that's a great thing I'm trying to avoid is being able to keep my distractions limited and being able to prioritize some of my stuff with with football and making sure I get all that stuff done. I'm sure once I get back out to New Jersey, I'll have some more stuff.
0: Let's talk about what you did the day after the draft, by the way, which you pre-planned. You gave some members of the athletic department signed jerseys, which was super cool. Um, tell us about what went into that uh, gift to those who had who had done a bunch for you at BYU.
4: Yeah, it was awesome. You know, Dave Almanovas, you know, someone on campus for us, one of our staff guys helped me kind of organize the whole thing. And, um, you know, and really I was glad that we got to put it together, you know, really just showing thanks to all those guys that, Uh, helped support me and get me to this this point in my life and um, you know it's a pretty cool accomplishment Um, and it's not just for me it's for everybody you know everyone had a piece of this whole thing and uh, I just wanted to give thanks and show them how appreciative I am of them.
3: Zach Wilson on BYU Sports Nation getting ready to head out to New York and begin his new journey with the Jets as the number two overall pick in the draft, Zach, have you picked your number? Are they going to let you pick your number? Do you, do you have you have you tried to put in dibs on what you want to wear on your jersey?
4: <laughs> I haven't picked yet. You know, I've been deciding between a couple, and uh, um, you know they will let me pick. Um, I think I might try and uh, fill it out once I get out there and just see what's what's going on.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you may have to pay someone off, maybe, right? But, <laughs> but you're the number two pick. Right. Yeah, you know, and that's how it works at this level. If you want a number that someone else has, you may have to buy it off them. But, yeah, uh, speaking, right. speaking of, when are you going to buy the Tesla? So I, I already
4: put the money down for it. I mean, the cool thing about Tesla, yes. it's only about 100 bucks. The, the deposit's only about 100 bucks until they, till they ship it out to you. Um, I'm just going to lease it. And <clears throat> it hasn't even gone to production yet. You know, it hasn't even shipped out to anybody. It was supposed to come out in, in February, but nothing yet. So I haven't heard anything yet. I'll get a text eventually saying, hey, we've assigned you a car, a VIN number, it should be here in about a month. So I haven't heard anything yet. I'll try and do some deal with somebody out in New Jersey as far as uh, getting a loaner car for a little bit, or I'll go get a rental car for a little bit until uh, we figure that out.
0: Just show up at some random you know, <laughs> automotive place and just be like, hey, what's up, Uh <laughs> Did I borrow a car for a few months? See what happens. (laughs) Who's this guy? Yeah. That wouldn't work well. I think it
3: would work well, Zach. I think it would. Great stuff. Zach, before we let you go, uh, I just kind of wanted to check in on how things have been handled within your family. What what was the experience like for you with your mom and dad and all of your siblings to go through all that and kind of give us a feeling of what that was like?
4: Yeah. Well, Coach Fest was joking around because my little sister, Sophie, could care less. I mean, she was on TikTok playing on her phone. <laughs> she was like, I don't even want to be here. Like, this sucks, you know. Uh, she's just not old enough yet to realize how, how cool it was. But everyone else, you know, we all had a blast. And uh, it was a good time, you know, it was just spending time with the family. Um, and, and everyone just kind of kept saying the same thing, you know, like, this is crazy that we're here. <laughs> you know, how surreal this whole moment is. and um sorry. People keep calling me, man. keeps popping up on the phone.
0: Hey, I guess you're a popular guy. You get picked number two and (laughs) people call you. we got to call some audibles. It's all good, man. All good.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, the draft was just surreal for all of us. You know, Everyone just kept looking around and saying to each other, you know, how crazy is this that we get to be here? You know, it's just such a special moment and um, everyone had a blast.
3: All right, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to go out uh, take care of business and uh, the OTAs, your mini camps, all the things that are going on Get in that playbook. Um, do it with it what you will, my friend. The karma's real, and we're giving it to you.
4: Thank you so much. I need all I can get.
3: Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Highline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. So fun to talk to him every week. Yeah,
0: fun to pick his brain right and wouldn't experience his little sister just on TikTok.
3: Can we go home yet?
2: <laughs> that was one of our favorite no. interviews this week. Yeah, You're listening no, to I the best that. of BYU <laughs> yeah, Sports Nation. Stuff. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Google Whip Ramp
1: presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most shipping problem. All right, Mickey Yahainen has now won the Elite. Fast enough. Yes. Yeah, you say it fast enough, that you <laughs> see, you slowed me down, and we were just supposed to go past it. Uh, has now won the Elite 90 Award twice. What is that, you ask? That is awarded to the student-athlete with the highest uh, cumulative GPA participating in the finals of each of the 90 NCAA championships. So it's a smart award. Yeah, you and I would know nothing about that. We would not know anything about this. So he's won this now twice. Have you ever done anything this impressive twice? No.
0: Although in high school, I somehow convinced that my high school that I was the Sterling Scholar, even though my GPA and ACT were way lower than everybody else. You were a Sterling Scholar? Nobody else applied. I'm convinced that happened. I went to regionals or whatever, and they looked at me like I was an idiot.
1: Did you get your (laughs) name mentioned like on KSL when they announced the the Sterling Scholars? Yeah, I was
0: in the uh, Tribune, I think. Yeah. (laughs) It was a very exciting moment.
1: Uh, Look, I haven't done anything that cool, let alone once. Certainly not twice. No, yeah.
0: You've been in the dugout for a couple games. That's cool. (laughs) Uh, what's the best part of this Fessy Satake yearbook photo? All right, let's look the at Hil- this. The Hillcrest
1: Husky. The Hillcrest Huskies. Look at that. Oh, hair's looking good, dude. Look. Uh, the bow tie. The bow tie. The Here's what I'm going to say. So, Fessy. Fessy has aged well. Oh, my gosh, yes. Fessy has aged very well.
0: Wait, that wasn't taken yesterday? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Tasha Sabi uh, sent that in. She's a huge BoA basketball fan. She just
1: realized she went to high school with Fessy. There, there you go. So, yeah, but. that's what stands out to me is just how how well he has aged. Fessy's one of my favorite coaches at BYU, by the BYU. He's, he's great. He's just like, I just want to hang out with Fessy. All right, let's look at this tackle. Uh, does John Stanley have a future as a linebacker? Let's look at this. You can give me a little play-by-play on this.
0: Well, Sean Umstead told us in the locker room that, okay, John, John comes, tries yeah. to tackle Sean. Sean switches him around. Oh, yeah. Now, Sean is a huge MMA fan. I know this. So, he, he knows a bunch of moves. Then kind of gets a couple – Playful jabs into his uh, sternum, you know there. So, John was taken to the hospital. At no, I'm just kidding. Like um, you're
1: always taking a risk when you try and tackle your coach. Oh yeah, I like the man controls your playing time.
0: Which coach would you tackle the least? <laughs> Mine is probably uh, Kalani Stucky.
1: Just I'm not look, just thick, dude. I you, can't I can't you, knock him over. You know what I look like. I'm not tackling any of them.
0: Why go to the gym at all? Baseball's on a six-game win streak. What finally clicked for the Cougs?
1: All of the thing, get, you know, not getting the the hits with runners in scoring position, getting the two out, all that stuff, it, it's happening now. All of the things earlier in the year that they were struggling with over this streak right now, and, and they're getting some power, getting the home runs, getting, I mean, everything's clicking right now. It's fantastic.
0: Second best win of the season last night against league-leading San Diego. The best was when BYU won at 19th-ranked Texas. You were at that game. I did. I got to call that one. To me, that, to me, those are
2: the top two wins of the season. Three this season. Um, the best of BYU Sports yeah, Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Kalani,
3: welcome back to the show. How are you feeling after that weekend?
5: Feel oh, good. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to see our guys have an opportunity to go live out their dreams of playing in the NFL on the next level. and uh, It's an emphasis that we've been trying to um, get going here at BYU and, and trying to get our players to see that as part of their future and and really aim high. And so uh, I'm glad that we had this many guys have opportunities to play and, and enter camps and uh, looking forward to see them represent well in, in the league.
0: Okay, there's a lot to discuss, so let's chat. Uh, first off, the noise behind you, that's actually the the construction of the and renovation of the locker room downstairs, right? That started.
5: Yeah, I mean, this is the quietest spot we could find, but there's nowhere quiet in the whole facility. They're doing work in the the locker room, and then there's also a lot of work happening in the weight room with with uh, the boys back training after some time off. So, uh, looking forward to seeing these guys make a lot of noise in, in the uh, during the off season, get bigger, stronger, faster.
3: Exciting times for BYU football and their head coach Kalani Satake after an unforgettable NFL draft weekend. You were in New York to hang out with Zach Wilson as he had his name called at number two by the New York Jets. What was that experience like for you to watch Zach Wilson become the highest draft pick in BYU football history?
5: Yeah, well, we were in Cleveland, um, which was very similar to New York. Spencer, no, yeah, but, I, sorry, I,
3: sorry, but Sorry, sorry, meant Cleveland. But, <laughs> We were in the draft, and, and that's
6: all that mattered. It
5: didn't really sure it didn't matter what city we were in, but it was really cool. You know, you just you see all the Jets fans that were there before the draft even happened, and the excitement that they're. I mean, they recognized the uh, BYU gear that we were wearing, and just kept chanting Z A C H and then J E T S, and they were just chanting it the the whole time we were out there. And and then when it when he was selected in, in the uh, you know, second overall—that that was amazing. We kind of knew that was going to happen, but it was just—it was just good to confirm it and to have him go through the the whole process and be a part of it, a small part that uh, you know our, that we had in it. It was just nice to be with his family, and I'm gonna tell you, Zach had a, a great opportunity during that time where he just saw him reflecting on on uh, the time that he spent here and the people that that have really helped him out throughout his life to get him to that point and. Uh, just really grateful that I got to coach him and, and thankful that, that he's a type of person that's really thank uh just thanking everybody and has a lot of appreciation for those that help him get here.
0: He handed out some swag to some athletic employees, you know, the the next day he had left some stuff which was super classy of him of course. But Clunny you you did something that Lavelle never did. You had a you had a number two pick, which is crazy. Steve Young would have been number one in eighty four. But uh, that was a really notable moment in BYU history to have the highest drafted Cougar ever. You think about all the amazing players that have come through this program; none have been drafted higher than Zach Wilson.
5: Yeah, and you know, just uh, the fact that he was—he's able to make that much of a a trajectory in the last year, Uh, and then even with Brady and everybody else that got that selected and had free agent shots. That's a huge motivation for our players, and, and I can see it in their faces and the excitement that, that they know that, this, that it's attainable here at BYU under the circumstances that we're in as independents and with this football program that you can achieve great things, even overcome and, and surpass some of the things that have done in the past. Uh, and, the, and with this, the rich tradition of football in the past with all the great quarterbacks, we, uh, in 2021 draft, had the highest selected player. And so... You know, you can only do one better than that. Hopefully there's one of those guys here currently on our roster. But I I feel like there's a lot of great talent here and and we'll keep developing them and and helping them push themselves to get to that point where they can improve and and get better and, and maximize their potential and hopefully someday hear their name called.
3: He is explaining the experience of watching BYU players to the NFL draft in 2021 as the head coach, Kalani Sitake. He's also explaining to me the difference between Cleveland and New York, so thank you for that, coach. Uh,
5: Well, the draft used to be in New York all the time. It's yes. I, I, I made the same mistake over and over. I was in Cleveland calling it New York, so yeah, I just wanted to make sure. Listen,
0: Joseph Smith moved from both places. You know, there's history. There's history there, right?
3: There's truth to this, for sure. Better bring it back around, John. Thank you. <laughs> Coach, I know how I felt going into the seventh round thinking, man, there's so much talent from BYU, and none of these guys have had their names called through the first six rounds. What's going on? Uh, and feeling tense and, and nervous for, for a lot of the players. How are you feeling as the draft got later and later and later towards pick 250 when finally Kyrus Tonga went to the Chicago Bears?
5: Yeah, I mean, you can never predict uh, basically the rounds from three to, to seven. And and it all depends on the teams and, and really depends on um, how the draft is going early on. And, and as teams start to select, it seemed like a lot more receivers in the past that have been uh, in a lot of different positions, um, you know these teams all of a sudden start looking at where they need to draft people and who they can get at, at free agent spots and so um, I just like the fact that we have a bunch of players that are being mentioned and had opportunities to go into camp that 's hard i mean that 's hard to 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 be even as a free agent and 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 looking at the players that have made it in the NFL as free agents, uh, we have a, a good number of those type of guys too that have even gone on and become all-pro players. So um, the 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 fact that they're invited to the party and their their names being mentioned, that's a big part of what we're trying to get done here. And you know, I, I think a lot a lot could be said and done during the time that they um, perform and 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 develop as as individual players. I I just it's harder when you when you you know you're one of the top. 500 athletes in, in in the NFL coming out that year in that class, uh, you really have to find ways to, to stand out. And most of that is done in the season and also in the training and, and the testing. And that's why we test our guys as much as possible just so they can see their, their measurables and see how it, me- how it stands up to everybody else that's in their position group that's currently playing in the NFL. something, a uh, goal for them to, to look forward to and hopefully try to attain and, and find ways to, to make themselves stand out.
0: This team was certainly talented. Whether they played six Power Fives on the original schedule or no Power Fives, they were going to perform well. It was just how well, right? And some of the talents were accentuated by a different kind of schedule. Yet, Kalani, this team uh, needs to schedule Power Fives every year. I feel like seven's a lot. That's what you're going to play this fall. Three or four feels like kind of the, the, the balance there. How do you balance that with, Tom, where you say, we need to schedule tough because we want to get good players Yet a season like this happens in part because you were able to go eleven and one and be noticed a little more by winning more.
5: Well, I think the the thing that was more most noticeable was that we had really good players that um, were healthy. And if you talk about Zach, that that was a moment where he's been the healthiest he's ever been, and so just trying to find ways the guys, for our guys to perform at their best. Not really worried about the schedule being too difficult. That's not my job. I, I, I got this job because I was excited that we play these type of teams and have this type of schedule. Um, it's my job to try to find ways for our, our players to perform at the best, which gives us an opportunity to win those games. Uh, those would be memorable for our players. So uh, um, that that's, I, I understand what you're saying, Jeremy. For me, it's just trying to get our guys to play at their best for 12 games that, that is on our schedule. And, and I felt like we did, we did a, a better job of that this last season. Hopefully we can do it every every week this ne- next upcoming season, regardless of who the opponent is. Uh, I, I'm not really worried about the, the the opponent, if they're at their best. I'm more concerned about us being at our best. And I think if we are, we can live with the result that's going to show.
3: Kalani Satake, BYU football head coach with us on BYU Sports Nation. I'm looking back a year ago and thinking, okay, May 3rd, 2020. What was I thinking? What was I feeling as it relates to BYU football? And we weren't even sure if there was going to be a season, any games. So how would you sum up the last year and the emotional spectrum that you have been on as the head coach of this program in the last 365 days?
5: I think you guys heard, heard us say it before, that just uh, the, the pandemic has done one thing for us that that i felt was positive and that's just show a high level of appreciation and gratitude uh where we're at and then not taking um, certain things for granted and so uh, I'm, I'm just really grateful to be here and, and to have this role in, in these young men's lives and and um, just really proud of, of them and, and things that they've accomplished uh on on the field and off the field and so um really just trying to make sure that we capitalize on our, every opportunity we have and It's another motivation for me as a head coach to try to get our players in positions to have as much success as possible. And that's uh, on the field, off the field, in the classroom, in a lot of different um, areas of their lives.
0: Thirteen dudes to the NFL in some capacity, right, which is incredible. And now you have a schedule that, like we talked about, seven power fives, is certainly going to be fun slash challenging. So what's the conversation like and what's the schedule like with this group? As you try and – obviously you want want to replicate what you did, but – if you can continue to win at a high level, you can certainly try to build off of this.
5: Yeah, and, and I think this next taking the next step and that means improving and uh, you know we're obviously you mentioned we, we lost some players that, that have uh, given us a lot of production on the field. Uh, we feel like we can we can replace those players uh, with the talent that we have on the team and the talent that we have coming in. Uh, we're trying to develop our players. In the next few months as fast as we can because it's going to be important that they they get uh, bigger stronger and faster by the time we we get to Vegas and play Arizona so that's going to be the key um, I'm glad that we have more time to work with them than we did last year but um, I think utilizing the time wisely is going to be important for us and our guys are always going to work hard it's, it's important for us to work smart, and to get our guys in a position where we can have competitive advantages over our opponents.
3: Coach, it's a credit to what BYU football just did in the NFL draft over the weekend to why we're so far into this interview and we haven't asked you about the quarterback battle yet. Well, here we go. You got three, four capable quarterbacks. Uh, I know you know their names. We've said their names ad nauseum. But I'm looking at the talent around those guys with Tyler Algier and Lopini Catoa at running back. Mason Wake is the fullback. You bring in the Nakua brothers to play wide receiver to join Gunnar Romney and Neil Powell, and then you have Isaac Rex and Carter Wheat. So many weapons. And your offensive line, even though you lost Chandon Herring, Tristan Hodge, and Brady Christensen, you've got the anchor in James Empey and a bunch of guys that have experience. So I'm I'm looking at this and saying, you know, whoever the quarterback is, they're going to inherit a wealth of talent. So maybe I'm not that concerned. It's a tough job to pick a starting quarterback. But I feel like whoever you go with, coach, is going to find success because of the guys around them. How do you see that scenario?
5: Yeah, I see the same way. And 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 there's a, – a, I think you named a bunch of guys. But there's also a bunch of guys that, that uh, a lot of people aren't counting on right now that – the next Dex Milne or the next Isaac Rex you mentioned. There's a bunch of different guys out there that that uh, I know we have the talent on this team, and so um, it's just giving them that opportunity to when they they get on the field to perform their best. And sometimes it's easy to do in practice. We're going to try to simulate as as much chaos and 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 get our players in a position that we can try to simulate as much game time decisions and game and game. Uh, yeah as much as we can to simulate what what they're going to face in the game but um until that happens really it comes down to just getting out there and playing and um then i think they can look to their teammates that have have experience playing and uh, be a a source of of Confirmation that they're doing things the right way, and then they go out there and play at their best and have fun. Uh, I think it's going to work out in our favor. I I really believe in the leadership of this team. It's not just, it didn't just end with the guys that left. Those guys have done a great job. What's important is when the leaders leave, that they left behind a bunch of great leaders. And I can say, Zach and the group that are going on to the NFL have left a great uh, influence on this team. And it's, uh, it's, it's actually bred more leaders that we've had even in 2020. So 2021 is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to getting better and getting out there and making the fans really happy.
0: I want to go back to the NFL draft experience. Um, did, did you have to calm Fessy down? Was he screaming? Was he pushing the walls, <laughs> like trying to talk to Devontae Smith and, and uh, you know, Mac Jones and everybody? Or how, how was that situation?
5: Right. I mean, the NFL did a great job at doing the whole, the, the COVID testing. We had to do a PCR test and, and express mail it back. And then we had to do the test when we arrived on site and they had to keep doing screening. And so when we were there with the group in the green room, everybody was still separated, but you can kind of see um, a lot of the the coaches and, and the players on the other side and, and, and in that general area. And it was just, it was just surreal. It was such a cool moment. And I could tell you the thing that I didn't, think about where the fans are are absolutely crazy they they love their teams and i couldn't believe that many people would would travel to to cleveland to celebrate uh the draft and i i didn't think about that but it was a, a lot of fun and uh the jets fans showed up and they were excited about zach and uh but you could see that there's this there's this um strong um will to get back and desire to get back to um, normalcy and that means uh, having the stadiums be full, the NFL's feeling it, the college football's feeling it, everybody's wanting to get back to, to things, getting back to normal and um, that was a great experience for all of us and Fessy was loving it but we were all just caught in the in the moment of just, I can't believe that uh, this is happening and, and it, was, it was so exciting that hopefully we get back there again soon.
0: Kalani, think how close Zach was going to your Niners. Like so close, right? So
6: <laughs> close.
5: <laughs> I know, I know. But I mean, that that's, we're all Jets fans and, and Bears fans and they, wherever our guys go, yeah. I, I became a Niner fan because they had a lot of BYU players on their team. So uh, I imagine that the uh, BYU fans will all trickle into the NFL and support the players just like uh, I did when I was a young kid. And um, I can tell you that, that our, our players, I've talked to all the guys that are going on and signed free agent deals and got drafted. And um, they expressed their, their love and appreciation to all the BYU fans and people that helped them get here. They, uh, it was such a cool experience for me to hear them in our conversations just express their love for the BYU fans. So I hope, hope everyone, I hope Cougar Nation knows that. Fantastic
2: stuff with the BYU football head coach, Kalani Satake. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
3: And we are celebrating the West Coast Conference Player of the Week, Cole Gamble, who spoke with Jerem Jordan a little bit earlier today, Jerem.
0: Yes, he's uh, been crushing and Here's that conversation on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. WCC Player of the Week, Cole. Uh, How did you find out? And congratulations, by the way.
6: Thank you. Uh, I found out on the BYU Instagram, the BYU baseball Instagram page, and so I was just scrolling through, kind of saw my name on there, and uh, that, so that was pretty exciting. Um, you know, just a good week for me. It was a great week
0: for you, the team. Everybody uh, things kind of got rolling in a, a unique way. There, you had a five-game win streak earlier in the season. You've equaled that after win last night at uh, Utah Valley. What what changed last week with the Arizona State uh, one-off win on Tuesday, and then the St. Mary's series, and then Utah Valley last night?
6: Yeah, that's a great question. So Arizona State, we knew they're a really good team, you know, and they always are, and every year they have a really good team. So we came in just ready to go and excited because, like, we want to play those types of teams, you know. And and then with St. Mary's this weekend, we knew they could really pitch the baseball, and they've had a lot of success this year um, pitching. And maybe they, they struggled at times on the hitting side of things. But, you know, we just knew we had to go out and compete. You know, we just had to go out and compete every day. Um, obviously, play relaxed. I think that's one thing maybe we haven't done a good job of a lot this season is just being relaxed and um, not playing up tight and different things like that and, and just going out and having fun.
0: At the end of the day, it's baseball. they are out at, uh, looking at beautiful Miller Park in the mountains, right? So uh, hard not to get caught up in that. Um, but, yeah, how, how do you avoid playing stressed and tight? Because this is a program that wants to compete for championships. You know, this year there's no four-team conference tournament, unfortunately. Um, so how do how do you guys continue to improve and get better yet not play like you said uptight?
6: Right. There, there's a big difference between being really focused and locked in, and then being uptight. Right. And so uh, for us, I think it's it's trying to remember like just how much we love the game of baseball, right? And and once we stop worrying so much about our stats or uh, the result of the game or the result of an at bat, uh, I think we actually really started to reel it back in and, and be able to just go out and play, man. Like, this is a game we love, right? Most of us have been playing this since we're, you know, five, six years old, uh, playing catch with our dads in the backyard, right? And so I think once we kind of took it back to that place, uh, we started to play a lot better.
0: Yeah, it's pure, right? Every day I get home from work and my two-year-old wants to play catch. He can't catch, but he can throw. (laughs) so yeah there's a there's a purity to it right and here we say play catch as opposed to have a catch right and feel the dreams but depends on where (laughs) you're from okay during this five game win streak (laughs) 10 hits for you and nine rbis so what what has been different about your approach at the plate?
6: you know i've gone through some ups and downs this year man Uh, a lot of downs to be honest right i'd say a lot of this year has been tough for me and so i've made little adjustments lately that i think have really really helped me um And, and I just keep riding with those things. Sometimes all it takes in hitting is just to find one little feel, right? Like one little thing that feels really good to you. And then you just roll on that. And so that's kind of what I've done. Uh, And like I said, I've had a lot of downs this year, but I've finally kind of felt something in my swing that feels good to me. And it's uh, proven to be successful as well.
0: Who's the number one voice in that conversation of plate approach that you are listening to and, and using?
6: So Trent's our hitting coach, right? Um, Trent Pratt, he does all the hitting. He works with us in the mornings um, before practice. He works with us during practice. So when it comes to who do I listen to the most, uh, Trent's my guy.
0: Trent's my guy, too. Uh, I need him to give me more, uh, you know, approach on this show. Uh, Trent, uh, I need more coaching. <laughs> coach me up. Let's go. Um, okay. you, you do have a nice hit streak going, which brings us to our stat of the day
2: it's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day
0: Cole Gamble that's you you're currently on a 10 game career best hitting streak 10 game hit streak how about that man you've talked about the different approach but 10's notable
6: for sure uh I think it comes back to showing up every day ready to play you know because my body doesn't always feel good right like I got hurt a little bit during this streak, actually. You know, sprained my ankle a little bit, and so different things like that. Is like you don't always show up feeling great, but mentally, like how can you be ready to go every single day?
0: How have you played through a sprained ankle? That's not easy.
6: Uh, some tape <laughs> and ankle bears, you know, just the normal kinds of things, and uh, <laughs> a lot of ibuprofen.
0: Uh, yeah, so, amen to that, man. Well, uh, continue to yeah. nurse that. Yeah, um, you had a three homer week as well, which is pretty fun. And in fact, you had a couple of. Uh, homers in one game and uh BYU Athletics actually caught uh this conversation with you before the game what do you
6: think couple home runs today
0: from, you alone, yeah. from me alone yeah. uh. I think at first you were you were asking about home runs for your teammate was that what happened but it ended up being you as called by your teammate and who was that by the way
6: yeah so that was Freddie um really good friend of mine yeah and I was talking about the team as a whole. I was like, "Hey, like we as a group, we're gonna get a couple today." So, um, wasn't talking about myself, but I'm um, glad I could, you know, hang that up there.
0: What's it like to hit a homer? Like to just really get a hold of one and just just
6: rip one over the fence? There's nothing. There's nothing better in the game of baseball. You know, like you can make a diving play and you can do all these really cool things on defense. But I mean, that time that you get to run around the bases, there, there's nothing better, man. So. Uh, it's something I try to do more often <laughs> and want to do more often just because uh, it, it's the best feeling out there in baseball, for sure.
0: We're talking to Cole Gamble of the BYU baseball team. The Cougars defeated Utah Valley last night, headed to San Diego for a series, which you can listen to on BYU Radio 107.9 FM and the BYU Cougars app. Cole, you also got engaged over the weekend. So basically it feels okay. like this is like the best week of your life. Uh, you know, five wins and ten hits and the nine RBI and all that.
6: And you get engaged. So tell us, uh, tell us about that and tell us about her. Right. You know, multiple times this week, someone say, said, Hey, congratulations. And I didn't know what they were <laughs> talking about, you know? And so, uh, the, the bigger news, right? Like winning awards is fun, but the bigger news is, yeah, I'm engaged, uh, to my now fiance. Um, her name's Laura and she's on the dance team. She's amazing. And, uh, super happy that I could get that done. Cause she's been, she's been waiting a long time. She's been, bugging me about it a little bit because she just wanted it so bad. So um, I'm glad we could do it, though. She's amazing. I'm excited to spend uh, forever with her. You
0: know? it, it's good to be wanted. Uh, absolutely. Okay, let's finish with this. Dude, your throw against Utah to end that game was
6: unbelievable.
0: <laughs> like, the, one thank of the, the best, like, Zach Wilson-esque. Like, it was incredible, the accuracy <laughs> that you had there. Walk me through that moment of uh, what happened against Utah to end that because it was like Ichiro one against the A's. I'm a Mariners guy. That's like the most famous yeah, defensive yeah. play. That reminded me of that.
6: So, first off, getting compared to Zach Wilson, thank you. Um, I, yeah, so he's a big deal. I hope I make as much money as he does. Um, <laughs> Good luck with that. So, Yeah, no I'm kidding. Uh, so, the play, you know, it was just a little base hit through the right side. Um, and, you know, with in the situation of the game, we were up by three at the time. I believe maybe it was two or three runs. I didn't think he was going to be going to third because it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Don't run on Cole Gamble.
0: A... Don't run on you. Well,
6: not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily that. This was more like his run didn't matter, right? Because they needed to score a couple more after him. So I didn't think he was even going to go. You know, I thought he was going to hold it up at second base and just came up. Everyone was communicating and telling me to go to third base and just try to let it fly a little bit. So that's like, that's what happened.
0: And it was on the money, man. It was an incredible finish to always a big win against the Utes. So congratulations on that and the ten game hit streak and a five game win streak for the team and getting engaged. I'm not sure how you can top all this, but just keep it going, Cole. And uh, let's give you the BYU Sports Nation. Yeah, keep it going. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation. Karma. Best of luck at San Diego. I know Thank that's you. always a heated series uh, with those guys. So best of luck. Yeah,
6: it will be. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you.
2: The best of BYU sports nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU sports nation on BYU Radio.
3: It's going to be a huge project to fill the shoes that Zach Wilson leaves. but) Is it more about the guy that steps into those shoes or is it about the talent that whoever the starting quarterback is surrounding him? Because for me right now, it kind of feels like all three quarterbacks are capable because of who they have around them with the addition of the Nakuas, great tight ends, experienced running backs, and a pretty solid offensive line in spite of losing Brady Christensen, Shannon Herring, and Tristan Hodge. How do you feel?
0: This is a question a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, I thought about it. It was like, does it even matter? The starting quarterback is? Like, if Jaron Hall – to me, Jaron Hall needs to be the starting quarterback against seven Power 5 teams. Baylor Romney is Mac Jones' light. He's not going to be as effective outside the pocket. He can run a little bit, but he's a great pocket passer, and he makes good decisions. He gets the ball out. Doesn't Baylor, turn it over. Baylor's awesome that way. Jaron is more of a highlight reel guy where he is going to make a play that gets on SportsCenter's top ten. And against Power 5 teams, BYU is going to have what it didn't have this year, what's call, which is called a pass rush against it. Uh, BYU is going to have to actually protect a quarterback in a more effective way. This year was the outlier. BYU didn't play teams with D-lines that, that matched up well against BYU's O-line. BYU's O-line was amazing. It's going to be tougher this year. But to your point, let's walk through it. Running backs, Tyler Algier, Lupina Katoa, Jackson McChesney, Hinkley Ropati, and, and others. Yes, Miles Davis and his his trumpet. It's going to be awesome. Wide receivers, Puka Nakua, Samson Nakua, Gunnar Romney, Neil Powell, Chase Roberts, uh, Chris Jackson, Cody Epps, Keanu Hill, Cade Moore. Like, that's a really nice group, right? And then the O-line. Yes, BYU just lost, what, three of those guys to the NFL? But you have guys like James Empey, Harris LeChance, Blake Freeland, Clark Barrington, and others. All these guys have played a ton. That that are excited for this opportunity. Canu Saliapanga. Yes, and then tight ends, of course, Isaac Rex, Dallin Holker is going to be a baller. Carter Huit Yep. Uh, as well with his uh, you know neck brace after a stinger. Those are a lot of good weapons, right? And and I like the idea of BYU winning seven and a half plus, you know, against those seven power fives. Um, I'm not sure it matters if it's who the quarterback is. If Jacob Conover is the guy. Maybe because, yes, he turned down Alabama in a scholarship offer there, which is amazing. Yet, he's a freshman, and I just want him to have another season under his belt where he can then get after it. Yet, you know, if it's one of those three guys, great. J Myava peters probably feeling like, hey, I deserve a shot in this conversation as well. He feels like he's fourth in this. But um, I'm I'm not sure what the answer is. I think it does always matter who the starting quarterback is, but – With those weapons, uh, perhaps that's made a lot easier.
3: Whoever the quarterback is, it is interesting just how different the dynamic is within that individual position. Though, Aaron Roderick and Fessy Satake, who we just talked to, say that the offense won't change much based on whoever the quarterback is. Yet they're still all very different, right? It just, that's how it works. Uh, I worry a little bit about Jaron's ability to stay healthy because of how he plays the game. And so I'm not so sure I want somebody to run around and take hits and, you know, put himself in harm's way more often than a guy like Baylor Romney or even Jacob Conover. So that that's my hesitation with Jaron. I'm with you. J- Jaron is the most dynamic playmaker with his feet. That Hands down, incredible. We saw some fantastic stuff against Utah State and a little bit against South Florida, but unfortunately couldn't stay healthy, couldn't stay in the game. So I – Yes, I, I would love to see that, but can he be smarter with the way that he is running? Or do, can he be more like Russell Wilson and run, run a little bit more? Uh, just, uh, just
0: to get the first down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just,
3: just not as reckless. Just slide. Right? Just slide. Just slide. Yeah. So then Baylor Romney I like because he didn't turn the ball over. And, he's, yeah, he's a game manager, yep. but he just executes the coach's plan. So I really like that dynamic. Jacob Conover feels a little bit like how Zach Wilson was with Tanner Mangum. Like, coming in, freshman, like a lot of hype around him, it's a not lot of excitement. Quite your moment. But it feels like he needs to wait a little bit.
0: I, I don't want to throw a freshman against seven power five. Which is why like, Tanner
3: Mangum started in 2018 over Zach Wilson.
0: Yes. I, I think that there's a time and a place, and I think that's a little bit later for Jacob. Yet, he's going to be the first to be in my face about this point. You know what I mean? Like, he wants to play. And I understand that. I just think you go with a couple of guys who at least have a couple starts sure. under their belt and sure. an additional year or two than Jacob had. It's going to be Jacob's time. Trust me, this is Jacob's team in two and three and four years down the road. Like, he could be here, by the way, for five years if he wants.
3: I mean, like, the way last things year have was gone. just a free year. The way things have gone for BYU at the quarterback position outside of 2020 with Zach Wilson and outside of 2013 with Taysom Hill. Jacob Conover could start this year because they need him.
2: The best of BYU Sports Nation. will be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week. Here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. 13 players from the
3: 2020 BYU football team now chasing the dream in the NFL, leaving some understandably large shoes to fill, notably Zach Wilson. So let's dive into this, Jerem. Who will replace who specifically on the BYU football team as we push forward to 2021? And there's a lot here.
0: Yeah, let's walk through it. And uh, tip of the uh, cap to Jeff Hansen of 24-7 Sports. Did a great job. Uh, You know, we're going to sample some of that. Mix in our own ideas, of course. But uh, so Zach Wilson, I think we know the answer, right? It's Jaron Hall, it's Baylor Romney, or uh, Jacob Conover. So that one's pretty easy. Dax Milne. This, and and with Zach, obviously it's going to be a step down just a little bit. He had, like, an all-time season, right? Yeah. Um, but I still think it's going to be good quarterback play. Wide receiver, Dax Milne. Uh, the Nakua brothers, of course. And then uh, Gunnar Romney. And then you add in, like, Chase Roberts was an All-American. Neil Pau is Mr. Reliable there, kind of comfortable as the number three or four guy. And then you have some other talented. Chris
3: Jackson, Keanu Hill.
0: Cody Epps. All those all those guys. I'm, you know, I'm stoked for that group, which will be awesome. So, I think that the receivers are actually be, are upgraded from last year based on the Nakua brothers and the continued evolvement of a guy like Gunnar Romney and Neil Pau. And then we hope Cody Epps starts to get a little more around Chris Jackson, as you mentioned. Um, and there's, there's a bunch of dudes.
3: Think so, about that. BYU has their first wide receiver drafted since Austin Colley. It's been a minute. And the group gets better?
0: That's what happens when you get – You know, the Nakua brothers. (laughs) They're going to make an impact. It's pretty
3: fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What about the offensive line, Jerem? Because there is a lot of turnover there. Brady Christensen, Tristan Hodge, Chandon Herring. Like that, that seems like a big gap to fill, but I think for the most part, we're looking at this line as uh, still a high performing line.
0: Yes. It won't be as good as last year, but it could be close. Um, Losing a first team All American left tackle is never going to be an easy thing to replace, but. Blake Freeland and Harris Lechance are going to battle it out for the left and right tackle. Uh, and then uh, when you look at Tristan Hodge and Chandon Herring with the guards, there, there's a lot of talent there that I'm excited about. You know, Connor Pay got some run uh, this year. Keanu Saliapaga was banged up, but he's going to step into a guard spot there. Um, and, and you still have Clark Barrington uh, in the mix, who was awesome, and, of course, James Empey at center. So oh, line should be good again.
3: Okay, now let's switch to the other side of the ball on the line. The defensive line, which is where I have one of the biggest question marks for BYU. You lose Kairos Tonga, and then we kind of go, all right, well, what's there? Who's going to be able yeah. to get a pass rush from the defensive line?
0: Well, uh, on the interior, nobody, because that's not a thing BYU does, I guess. Uh, Lorenzo Falatea uh, was hurt. He's going to be back. He's been in the uh, you know, program for a long time. Uh, Caden Haas did a nice job last year. Atunaisa Mahe had uh, you know, a serious health scare last year. Um, but he is in the mix again, which would be good. And then you look at the ends, a guy like Zach Daw, right, um, who, who you know, is getting an opportunity as well. Uriah Talis says he's in the best shape of his life as of the spring, which okay. I would hope when you're in college that you're in the best shape of your life. Sure. We're in our upper 30s, and uh, you know, we're not in the best shape of our lives at this point. <laughs> but, yeah, Tyler Batty kind of got hurt. He'll be back in the mix. I'm excited about those ends. I think they'll be good.
3: Okay, so Zach Daw, Kyrus Tonga out, but I'm glad you brought up Tyler Batty because he kind of, like, burst onto the scene get really three fast. three sacks in that one game. He was like, wow, And then, like you said, was dealing with an injury for the majority of the season. So yes. it'll be good to get him back and healthy. And just maybe, just maybe that defensive line can surprise some people.
0: I think it, it might be able to be better. Like, Kyrus was obviously a beast in the middle, but I'm talking about the ends. Like, act, actually getting the quarterback could be...
3: Okay, now the defensive backs. BYU has their first defensive back drafted since Derwin Gray in 1993 as a safety. You you go
0: Brian Mitchell if it's a corner. Oh, my goodness. 91? Yeah.
3: It's been 30 years since BYU had a true defensive back drafted. That's unbelievable. Corner specifically. Cornerback specifically. Okay, yeah. 28 years if it's a safety. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Crazy. Okay. yeah, we are serious. Yeah, yeah, Mark, that's nutty, right? Yeah. So who comes back? Uh, and I'm weirdly, I'm feeling pretty good about this group too because of how much experience they picked up over the course of the last season.
0: I have a little pause with the safeties. Uh, there's more to prove there, I think. You look at the corners, though. Keenan Ellis and Isaiah Heron, and uh, you know those guys have been in the mix for a while now. But at safety, it's like Chaz, You know he's going to be a baller. Like he he took last season to get healthy, but there are question marks about replacing. A Troy Warner and a Zane Anderson. I don't think BYU matches that productivity per se, although it is fun because we don't know, so it's a little scary. But there are guys like Jared Capisi and Malik Moore and George Udo and Amon uh, Hanneman and uh, Taylon Alfrey who will be in the mix, it seems like, at safety corner. Those guys have been, it feels like those guys have been here for six years. Yes. So um, there's some talent there for sure. Safety is a, a position where I, I'll be watching closely during fall camp to see. Okay, how are these guys coming sure. along?
3: I think defensive line and the safety group are the two biggest question marks for BYU as far as position groups going into camp.
0: Yes, and maybe Ammon Hanneman, uh, you know, is unbelievable. You know, and he just is awesome. Like who knows? But Zane has been so good for so many years, yes. right? Troy was very consistent. Got a couple of picks finally last year, um, so we'll see on that. So, oh, I mean, tied in. A big one, right? Bushman, but we didn't have Bushman last year, so it was like Isaac Rex, Dallin Holker. It's like, oh, that position is upgraded. Yeah, is anybody worried is about better. the tight end group right now? Carter Wheat, Bentley uh, you know, Handshot, those guys are going to be awesome. I, tight end might be the strongest position, like wire to wire. Uh, you know, you could argue quarterback because we feel good about three. But pre- pretty awesome. So over, overall, and I think we covered everybody, right? Kavik Fonua was a loss among the linebackers. Oh, Isaac Fusi. What about the linebackers? Loaded, okay. loaded.
3: Drew Jensen, Ben Bywater, Keenan Peeley, Peyton Wilgar,
0: Max Tooley. Max Tooley. Loaded. I am never worried about the linebackers, <laughs> ever, at BYU. Always good. Always good. Okay. Uh, overall, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, obviously, it's a big loss to replace those guys. There are some question marks. But generally speaking, there's some good players behind them. I'm not saying BYU is going to put 13 in the NFL next year again and have five picks. In fact, probably not. Right? It's a big number. But uh, I feel good about the production these guys can bring.
3: Okay, that is the who will replace who for BYU football in the 2021 roster. And if you missed the show yesterday, we talked about a little bit what matters more, the quarterback play or the talent that's coming in to help whoever the quarterback is. And again, going back to your initial point of the wide receiver group, even though they lose to Milne, better we feel like they get better overall. And tight ends, better. And that is going to yep. that is going to help the quarterback so much, not to mention – Algier, and Katoa. BYU didn't lose a running back.
0: And McChesney. And Ropati. Didn't lose a running back. And they're
3: bringing back a 1,000-yard rusher.
0: Yep. Always good to bring back a 1,000-yard rusher and a 12-touchdown tight end. Awesome. And Gunnar Romney. He was amazing. He's the best receiver between the twos, as you said.
3: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Incredible between the twos. Get him in the end zone. I blame Isaac Rex for taking all of Gunnar Romney's It is is
0: Isaac. Well, it's Matt Bushman's fault. (laughs) Matt got hurt. Isaac took all of them. Away from Gunner, yeah. Exactly. There are a
3: couple of uh, players that we believe will come in and make a difference too, but we can't mention. There's
0: those a few things. transfers in the secondary that will be in- until nice. they become
3: official. We're not allowed to mention those names. Yeah,
0: just DM us on Twitter. If <laughs>
3: After
0: an 11 and one season, the number two pick, five total NFL draft picks, eight free agents in the NFL. It was an amazing season for Cougar football. No one's questioning that. It was awesome. With that much talent and a unique schedule, what do you think is sustainable from what happened last year moving
1: forward with BYU football? There are a couple things that stand out to me. And number one, I think the thing that is most sustainable is the scheme. Okay. And yeah. and and look, we hope that... we are talking pre- on offense? We're Both? talking about on offense. Okay. I'm talking about specifically on offense. A-Rod stays. Yes. You, you have A-Rod back. He's in charge of the offense that we saw last year. And... We, when we even had, I think it was Spencer and I on the show that day. When we had A. Rod on, you know, we had asked him the question in terms of does the decision on the quarterback does that change the offense that will be run? He's like, it doesn't. We feel that our scheme, we have our scheme now. And we feel like whoever we go with can run the offense that we want run. So I think that's something that is sustainable regardless of who is the quarterback. Now, what you're really hoping is not just the scheme, but you're hoping that the production from the scheme that we saw in 2020 is sustainable and moving forward. That obviously remains to be seen. From but, the quarterback, that's going to be tough. Yeah, well, and, and, but that's, that's what you're hoping. You're hoping yeah. for year in and year out that you have an offense that can put up X numbers in terms of points. Stats yes. that's that is the hope. Yes, it won't be last year. Like whoever BYU's quarterback
0: is won't have forty three touchdowns and three giveaways. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> that part like it, that's not happening. That part that remains to be seen.
1: But BYU has found its scheme on offense, so I think that's sustainable. Yeah. Also, I think you're talking about the culture. I think a culture has been in place. Or has they been working towards putting in a culture for the last couple of years? Yeah. And I think it kind of all came together last season. In fact, uh, Fessy Satake uh, was asked about culture and had this to say.
3: Culture will always win. And I think we've got a culture that's been established and it's just continually growing. We, we, we welcome the competition we're about to step into. This is what we want.
1: And I think, that that's, I think that's important. I think the, the culture has been established, and now people know what to expect when they come in, plus an attitude. I think the attitude that this team had last year, I think that is sustainable throughout. And I think it goes back to culture. You could probably put those two together, culture and attitude. I think that's been established. So when guys come into this program, they, they know what is expected of them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with all of those. <clears throat> I love the idea that BYU gained some confidence it didn't have from before, where it's like, oh. We can have a season that really, really matters. Obviously, um, the talent BYU had combined with no power fives was a nice combination where BYU could go 11-1. and The only loss is a game you pick up on Wednesday, right? BYU chose that. Perhaps um, you know what's sustainable is that BYU lo- hopefully BYU looks at what happened with the schedule and goes, okay, there's probably a happy medium with the amount of power fives like I've talked about where this year there's seven, but in the future it's like, listen, three or four, you can still be uber-relevant and maybe go 10-3 and three on that schedule in the future, hopefully. Once you get to five-plus, now you're asking for three or four losses um, because there's a G5 team that typically will, will win a game. Um, and then recruiting. I think what's sustainable is that, uh, hey, look at what Klein Sitake is doing with the development of its players. If you look at Chris Wilcox, the guy that was you know at first headed to southern Utah, draft pick, Brady Christensen, two-star guy out of Bountiful, third-rounder, uh, Zach Wilson, local kid three-star, committed elsewhere, Boise State, Iowa comes in late, boom, goes to BYU, special season, pandemic certainly helped, but Zach was ready for the moment. BYU was ready for the moment, uh, which is to BYU's credit. That can help, where in recruiting, they go, oh, I want to play at the next level. In the initial tenure of Kalani Satake, he was asked about the role of the NFL, and uh, he kind of shied away from it a little bit, where he was like, listen, we're trying to win games first, and then if that can happen, that's great. That rhetoric has changed after last week, where it was like, no, 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 this is a, an important part of our program to get them to the next level. So perhaps at first it was like, well, it's not going well, so let's just focus on the team. I, I don't know what the motives were there, but I don't really care. What happened with BYU was really special this year, obviously. Is it sustainable to win 11 games with the current schedules and put that many guys in the NFL? No. Last year was an outlier. It was amazing. It's not going to happen consistently. It may not even happen again, but BYU can build towards having that again at some point. There are things that need to change, but those things are changing, I think, based off last year, which is recruiting at a higher level, the scheme, the sustainability of the coaching staff and keeping them intact. BYU's ability to keep Aaron Roderick and Fes Sitake yeah. and the majority of the coaches from last year is pretty notable given how good BYU is. Typically, a coaching staff like this would be plucked at a really high level after a season like that for BYU to keep those guys was pretty awesome. So I'm excited about what BYU is building, but I do acknowledge that last year was an outlier in many ways.
1: Yeah, there were so many things about last year that are unique. Yep. And we certainly hope that – the pandemic blew it up and BYU (laughs) took advantage.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: And now let's go to Columbus on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline to talk to the head coach of the BYU Cougars, Sean Olmstead, making his third appearance in a national championship match in five opportunities with BYU. Sean, congratulations on the semifinal win. And here we go. We're playing for the Natty. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Yep. Said it that that's it right there.
7: Thank you guys.
0: Well, you you played in two national championship games yourself on, on the roster and you started in, in one and oh four and oh one. Now you're going to your third. Is there some sort of expertise you can lend having coached and played in multiple now
7: to this group? Um no, I, you know uh expertise. I don't know. I think each team, I've, I've said it all along. Each team is pretty unique. And so, uh, you know, we're, it's hard to just say, Hey, treat this like a normal match. You can't, there's so many things going around right now, like the guys, the outside things they it's, it's hard to completely block all that out. And so we, we have to do the best we can to to keep it, uh, another match and another opportunity. But, you know, this is, this is what this team's worked for and work to accomplish. And the reality is there's, You know, the, some of the guys are going to feel nerves. Others aren't going to feel as many, you know, it's each athlete's different. So we do all we can to get them on the same page and, and just uh, continue to to talk about, you know, what we've been working on, which is every opportunity is a chance for us to, to improve. And and we're looking forward to that. That's what last night was. It was was a great opportunity as well. We got pushed, you know, we were able to play well, we got through, got through the ruts, you know, weathered the storm and uh, made some big plays down the stretch. So, it's going to be like you said. It's it's a, it's a pretty heavy matchup, uh, big time matchup, you know. And it's you play the sport to be in these opportunities. That's what you do. And so now here we are, and we got to make the most of it. You know, Sean, it,
1: there's in in any sport for teams that have a lot of success and go to the postseason every year. Sometimes it can feel a bit routine because you're just there year after year after year. I have to imagine even though you have been to the national championship game many times as you mentioned as a player and as a coach there's probably nothing routine about going to another national title game.
7: No, I don't think so. Yeah, no. I mean, you you like to think oh, it is routine. It's just clockwork, but it's really not. You know, he, again, I go back to each each group, each team is it's so unique. They're so different and you see the dynamics of them and and it's uh so I don't think there's a routine. I don't know. Maybe uh, Mike Krzyzewski at, at Duke—it's just clockwork for that guy or those guys. I don't know. But um, these are just—they're opportunities and great experiences for these young men, and we get to be a part of them. And and yeah, we're we're thankful for that.
0: This is two years in the making because last uh, year, obviously, the pandemic blows things up. But uh, even 2019 when uh, you know freshman Davide Gardini and a sophomore Gabby Garcia Fernandez and company Hawaii comes in with that big set streak and beats BYU <laughs> the next year right your team grows together and you don't, you play what I called the greatest volleyball match ever played in BYU history both undefeated mm-hmm. 1v2 at Hawaii 10,000 fans you guys hit 600 and sweep the Rainbow Warriors you you lose in 5 the next night in extras and then the pandemic hits And then you don't have a chance to play non-conference this year. And people have been waiting for this matchup. So how much of what happened last year plays into what's going to happen tomorrow night in terms of the
7: emotional buildup, but also the scouting report? Yeah, um, obviously a ton. Because, you know, we understand that. And the press conference last night was a similar, very, very similar question. And so uh, don't blame me for just, you know, staying, hey, you know, let's stay in this, and and where are we right now? We gotta we gotta go serve and pass a little. We gotta take care of these things to try to control the the emotional buildup. But I also can't neglect that. Hey, there's not going to be the emotions of what you just mentioned. You know, the excitement of okay, here we go again. You know, and and any way you want to look at it, both teams have put together. Uh, outstanding rosters, a body of work that that they deserve. We deserve, you know, both teams to be in this this moment and this opportunity. And so, there's no doubt that there's going to be that that buildup in the emotions. And I think, uh, honestly, I think the team that's going to be able to manage those appropriately. Are- are going to be the team that's going to be able to kind of weather the storm of the match, the ups and downs, the ups and flows uh, of a volleyball match and and come out on top and be able to make those plays when needed because that's, that's what it's setting up to be. It's going to be a back and forth, just boom, 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 and one or two points is going to separate that team down the stretch.
1: What were your takeaways from the win last night over Lewis? And in terms of adjustments from that match to now Hawaii, where, where do you feel the adjustments need to be made?
7: Um. Yeah, you know, we I, I felt we if you look at that match, I felt we really um, kind of got some energy and and were, were able to play really well with uh, off of off of their sir their miss serves. And then I felt like they did the opposite off ours, you know, so it kind of went back and forth and you saw the match go like that. And so we, we just talked to the guys that I, I, I felt there was a moment, you know, I, I can't overlook that. We we've got to recognize that and talk about it. I felt there was a moment that um we, I, I wouldn't say lost a little focus, but we got a little rattled in the moment. Like, you know, kind of, we went away from all of the things that were working and had been working for these guys. And so, they do a great job with with each other and bringing each other back to the right place, and they did that and were able to regroup. And then you saw some really, really good plays down the stretch of that fourth set where where they were doing the right things, getting more comfortable uh, back to, to where they were at the start of the match.
0: We're talking to Sean Olmstead, head coach of the BYU Cougars from Columbus, Ohio, as BYU prepares for Hawaii in the national championship match tomorrow night, 8 Eastern on ESPNU. Sean, certainly this program has been amazing for a long time. You were a part of the beginnings of that, where BYU won three national championships in six years. BYU's certainly been close uh, in 13, 16, 17. Of course, other uh, you know NCAA tournament appearances in 14 and 18. And here we are in 2021 with an opportunity to snap a 17-year drought. I know you want to stay in the moment, and it's the day before, but certainly there's uh, pressure and positive pressure uh, in a good way to sort of End the streak, right? So how are you trying to stay in the moment to ensure that your team can perhaps do it tomorrow
7: night? Yeah, uh, keeping these guys occupied and, and staying. Uh, as you said, we're, we, we've talked all year, and I say it over and over. We said it again last night in the locker room. We said it again before the match. You know, because... Because I, the rumblings already started when 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 we saw that Hawaii, not, not with our guys, but it was literally, it was from outside. You, you could just sense it. You could just see it. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be BYU in Hawaii. And I was like, whoa, hold your horses here. Like Lewis is a freaking darn good team. yeah You know, and so we are saying with our team is be where you are, you know, be where your feet are. And I said that to the guys, I said, hey, what, what have we, what's, what do we tell each other every single day? And Gabby's the one that spoke up. Hey, be where your feet are. And I said, this is it. We're here in this match. That's where we are. So we have to do that in in, in our prep, in our practice, in the routines, in the team activities, and, and doing, doing our best to just keep away from looking beyond. You know, you, whenever you get too far ahead of yourself, you, you're going to find yourself in a daze and just confusion because you're not in the moment and whatever that may be. So we've got to just stay here you know continue to do our thing and be able to control those things that we can control we can't control the rest of them those are going to fall as they may but you know we got to be able to be here in that moment and where we're at before we get
1: to the next question let's take a look at our stat of the day
2: it's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day
1: Gabby Garcia Fernandez two aces away from breaking the BYU career aces record now, Coach, I know it's all about the team goals, but how awesome would it be to get an individual record like that in a national championship game?
7: Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, I don't I mean, you know. But, uh, but <laughs> is, it, Jerem, is, is, is two, like, if that's two a, happens, pass. that's it? Two to pass, one to tie so uh, okay yeah but you know and and you look at all the matches he did miss out on well that's 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 crazy that's mind-blowing you know because he'd be he'd be well in in the lead we all know that Have 200 uh, yeah yeah that, that that's remarkable we're lucky he's on our side and uh you know he went through a little stretch where he missed a few last night and that's just gabby we're okay with it the guys don't say a word they don't they don't Put down their head, they know he 's going to come around and look how he came around offensively physically down the stretch he He took some big swings for us down at the uh, at, at the end of the match okay let 's finish with this,
0: certainly tomorrow night it means a lot we 've talked about the stakes. This is a team you you beat in front of ten thousand people last year you know and the split in honolulu you 've said throughout the season and we 've talked about this that you know um, your best is good enough, and it feels like you 're playing for two years worth, so it almost feels like there 's a lot riding on this. Um, what's it going to be like tomorrow when you take the floor and try and do something really special in the history of BYU men's volleyball?
7: Yeah, it's going to be amazing that we get to be a part of it. And, uh, I tell the guys all the time that, uh, we've got these, got the guys have these wristbands right here. You know, that, uh, they're the lucky ones, you know, we're the lucky ones, man. Look at us. We get to play a sport at this level with each other. This group of guys look around us, like, come on, it doesn't get any better than this. And, uh, Now here we are competing for a national championship. And uh, I I firmly believe our best is good enough uh, no matter what because I believe that our best is the best. And so that's what we're going to strive to do and the guys are going to be focused on. And uh, it's going to be a great matchup.
0: Are you okay after John Stanley tackled you in the locker room, by the way?
7: (laughs) I t- hey I tackled John. Come on, <laughs> come on. I took John down. I got a few. I got a few. I got a few blows in. I mean, John's just uh, John's just John. We we love John, and he came in there and got after it. And then it was match point, and I'm like, ah, he's gonna take a little off, and he just zipped it in there, you know. And they 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 did side out, but it's just John, John and Will, their connection, and the connection that the guys have towards John. It's just awesome. I thought that. He, and there was a few others, you know, big-time plays that turned things. But, man, he went on a stretch there, got a dig in, in the end, and just he went, you know, and it's, it's just, it's John. It's so fun to watch.
0: A kid named John Stanley making plays in 2021 and in the 60s for BYU Volleyball. Pretty cool. Okay, Sean, we there appreciate the time. All the karma we could yes. possibly send yes. your way is is going to Columbus. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to make my way out there. I think it could be quite the night. So uh, best of luck tomorrow
2: night against the Okay, thanks, guys. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Presented by Tim Daly Ford,
0: part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. So as mentioned, Matt Harms reportedly not returning to BYU, although I'm told that decision isn't final quite yet. If Harms isn't on the team, what does that mean for the team and the bigs, Jason?
1: Look, um, let's go under the mindset, okay, we know that things are not official. Let's just say for the sake of argument that it's leaning maybe more towards him not being back.
0: That's what I, it seems like. Yeah,
1: that's that's what it seems like, and and that's basically what it seemed like once the season ended. He said, I'm because done. Because I'm done. Yeah, so yeah. I, that's, what I think, what you look at. To me, the biggest surprise was always going to be him returning for those reasons that we just mentioned. So I, I don't know if things changed very much. Here's the other part about it. Look, th- there was some optimism when he posted on Instagram about, hey, still weighing my options. You thought, okay, well, you're usually not going to put something out there like that if you've, kinda, if you've closed the door. So it gave people hope. He and Alex Barcelo were at the BYU baseball game last week, so they're still around like, okay, this is looking good. Look, I, I don't know if things change too much in terms of what Coach Pope and the staff ultimately want to do. Even if Harms comes back, it's not going to count towards the scholarship. So you're still going to have roster spots that you're going to have to fill. And you can always use a big guy because, you know, a guy like Wyatt Lowell is in the transfer portal. Guys like that. So I, I don't – know the wing, but yeah. yeah but I, I don't think that – it changes the mindset of what this team was going into the offseason looking for. I think they were still looking for another big. So I don't know if it ultimately changes things very much because I think the plan was already set in motion in terms of looking for other bigs that can come into the program, whether it's for a year or two or for long term. So I, I don't know if it changes it very much. If you get him back, certainly that is, a, that is a bonus. And having a guy like that back on the roster is nothing but a good thing.
0: I would take the West Coast Conference Defensive Player of the Year back in a heartbeat. Absolutely. I, absolutely, I agree. Veteran presence uh, has been to multiple NCAA tournaments. I would love to have Matt Harms back. Matt, come back, man. Come back, man. It'd be nice. Um, and like you said, it wouldn't count against the 13 scholarship. So if he doesn't come back, you lose a veteran presence, <clears throat> a shot blocker in the middle. And, but let's look at the bigs that are returning to BYU this year. Gavin Baxter, we've already seen him dunk on the program today. Richard Howard in his mustache. Atiki Aliatiki, uh, uh, Rob, a talented uh, player from uh, Tanzania via Canada. Fuse, uh, Fusene Traude, Caleb Lohner, Gideon George is sort of these three fours. So it sounds like BYU might want one more dude. We know they're recruiting uh, other bigs, and that's where the genesis of this report comes is, hey, uh, the BYU coaches have told, you know, One big in particular, a grad transfer potentially that, uh, or I can't remember if it's grad transfer, but a transfer that, hey, Matt Harms isn't coming back potentially. That's one report. I'm not sure BYU needs another guy, but if they get a capable guy, absolutely, because Baxter is a proven defender and rebounder, but not scorer. Richard Harward, I would pencil in as the starter at five until we have someone better, uh, if someone better. Atiki Ali Atiki, freshman, uh, Traude. Coming off the bench, freshman Loner's a starter. George George is probably a starter as well, um, but they're not fives. They're kind of three slash fours. So yeah, I would love that Matt back. But if he's not back, I like who BYU has uh, in the mix. Certainly Caleb Bloner to me is going to make the biggest jump of anybody from last season to this season. I, I think he's going to contend for an all conference position, and as a junior, I think he will do that. Uh, Caleb if, Loner could be the face. Could
1: be the face of this program. He's the hair of the program right now. <laughs> certainly, at least. Certainly, yeah. certainly that. So but talented, Caleb Loner right? has that type of yes. potential that he could be the face of this program for the next couple of seasons.
0: Absolutely. And then Gideon George continued to evolve, had a tremendous showing at Portland last year, and then got better as the season went along. Remember, the season kind of changed when BYU went to Loner and George in yeah. the starting lineup, and then they rode that uh, you know, the rest of the way. So we'll see if BYU gets another big, they're going after one. Let's see who else they get. I, there are some people who are concerned about, hey, why hasn't BYU signed anybody yet? There is, Because of the one-time transfer exception, there is so much talent in the transfer portal. All it takes is one or two that will make a difference, by the way. So the fact that BYU is in the final whatever's for whoever, like it's exciting. And I know a lot of these guys have gone to other places guess what, is going to land a dude or two that are going to make a difference, and it can happen later in the game than normal with this one-time exception.
1: Well, and I I think, I hope I'm giving the proper credit where credit is due. I believe it was in Dick Harmon's piece in the Deseret News where he had referenced that when the season ended, the coaching staff had had really kind of narrowed it down to about 20 guys that they looked at in terms of guys that would fit into the system and fit into the program. So, you just like you said, there, there are guys, they didn't just, you know, focus in on one or two guys and say, well, if it's, it's this or bust, that was not the situation. They were able to look and kind of survey the landscape of guys that are available and say, this is a group of maybe up to 20 guys that could fit and help us. So there's, there will be ample opportunities for BYU and this coaching staff to be able to go out and find somebody to bring in, whether it is a big, whether it is another point guard. Well, it has to be a point I mean, guard yes. at least. Whether it's another wing. Alex Barcelo yes. is an interesting yes, question. Yes, we still don't know about we Alex.
0: Don't, we don't know his decision. I would love for Alex to come back as well. I think we all would, right? Um, so we're waiting that decision. And, again, it doesn't count against the 13 scholarships. But if BYU doesn't have Alex Barcelo, they have to get a transfer who plays point guard. Have to.
1: Like a double-digit scorer. Well, and they've obviously been tied to a lot of point guards in yes. you know, reports that are out there. And that decision, I, I
0: imagine, will weigh on you know uh, the recruitment of said point guard. So imagine it's tough to balance all that, not to mention – Obviously Mark Pope was a candidate for some jobs, right? Um, don't don't be shocked if Mark Pope went out and interviewed with someone just to see. Um, you know, but Mark is the coach at BYU and it doesn't look like he's going anywhere. I'm not I'm not alluding to any formality anywhere, but it's the off season. He's led BYU to what have, would have been two NCAA tournaments.
1: Men's volleyball, I know you're pumped. Speaking of hot commodity, how about this? Men's volleyball playing in the national championship game tomorrow night against Hawaii Cougars. They've been here before. Unfortunately, it has not worked out in recent history. So we touched on this just a little bit yesterday. But now, is it championship or bust for BYU men's volleyball? Now that they've made it and that they're in the game, it's now official, they're there. It is. Yeah,
0: it's national championship or bust. The, the, it would be disappointing if BYU doesn't win tomorrow. Yet yeah, this is going to be a heavyweight fight with Hawaii. So there's been a two-year buildup to this moment, Jason. In fact, three years. Let's go back to 2019. Hawaii came into the Smithfield house on an NCAA record set streak where they had not lost even a set. And the conversation with it, a freshman, Davide Gardini, and a sophomore, Gabby Garcia-Fernandez, was, will BYU even win a set off Hawaii? They did not. Fast forward to 2020 last year. Number two BYU at number one Hawaii. There was an epic buildup. Like both were seventeen and zero or close thereof. Uh, BYU goes to Honolulu and plays what I called at the time the greatest match ever played in BYU history. BYU hit six hundred and one in three. It was unbelievable. Can BYU summon that um, performance? Because the next night BYU lost in five, got reverse swept, and lost nineteen seventeen in extras. This is what volleyball fans have been waiting for: the two titans meeting for the national championship, two years' worth, two years' worth, and BYU trying to snap a 17-year national championship streak. I get emotional thinking about what this could mean. If BYU loses, it's going to be extremely disappointing, and the rhetoric will be, oh, BYU can't win the big one. But if BYU wins it with this group of seven seniors, it'll be a really, really, really special moment.
1: I can appreciate why we are asking the question, because especially for a program like BYU that has the capability of winning a national championship every year for the most part, you know what I mean, and that they have been in this position before. I understand why we are asking the question because the goal going into the season is always to win a title. I just cannot go all the way to it being a bust of a season if they don't win it. Still getting There's to the middle ch- ground. Yeah. Still getting yeah, yeah, to yeah. the champ. Disappointing? Absolutely. Yes, it will be disappointing if they don't win. But I just can't take that step towards saying going to the national championship game and losing means the season was a bust. Yeah, I just I, 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 I get can't to- get there with that. I understand why we're asking, and I understand how you could take that question in in and change it a little bit because there's probably some gray areas there. But if we're just focusing on is it it championship or bust, I I just can't go there because it is still an unbelievable accomplishment to be able to get to the national championship. I understand everything you just said in terms of, you know, the program being looked at is where you can get there, but can you win it? I, I completely understand. That's why it's even more important, you know, and it will be exciting when they can shut all those people up by winning the national championship. Look, and I fully expect them to do that tomorrow. But I, I just can't go where it, if they don't, the season is a bust.
0: Yeah, and it's not quite that uh, polarity for sure. Uh, but it, it, it's going to be fun, man. And I'm stoked out of my mind for this one because it's going to be a great match. Hawaii's really good. Yeah. Hawaii's really good. I'm not sure BYU can have much of a better team, by the way. Realistically, BYU has the best setter from last year. Not They didn't win these awards this year. But best setter, best outside hitter, best opposite.
3: best broadcaster
2: (laughs) thank you join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN the best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports this is the best of BYU
0: Sports Nation G Taylor is the uh, women's cross-country coach and uh, track and field coach for the ladies as well and now joins us live from Eugene, Oregon near Hayward Field where tonight the Cougars will take on uh, all kinds of competition and tomorrow at the uh, heralded Hayward Field on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. G, welcome back to the program. Happy Mother's Day on Sunday, by the way.
8: Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: Eugene, Oregon, Tracktown, USA, of course. Second trip for uh, the team. Uh, what's it like to be back there at uh that new facility? It just looks amazing.
8: Yeah, it actually is an amazing facility. We're going to be coming back for the NCAA championships. So I think it's it's a good time to get the women back on the track again just to get familiar with it. It has some of the old Hayward feel. Um, hopefully some of that same magic, but we're just we have a little tune-up meet tonight. So super excited about that.
1: So you, you've got some people in Eugene, you've got others in Manhattan, Kansas. So give everybody a preview of what's going on over the next couple of days.
8: So we have our sprinters and and multi, some of our athletes actually have decided to go to Kansas and our distance crew is here. We had some people at Weber on Monday, you know, with track and field, there's so many different event groups. So we're all kind of all over the country, but just trying to find meets, super excited to be competing again. And we're not that far off from our championship partition of the season. So, so really looking forward to that.
0: Top 10 teams on the men and women's side. This is something new in outdoor track where, yes, the team has been good, but to be in the top 10 is another level. So what has it taken to climb into that position this year?
8: Guys, I think this has just been years in the making. You know, we've been building for a while and coming off of a really good indoor season, coming off strong cross-country seasons, not just, these previous seasons, but in the past years, and you're having everyone with extra eligibility coming back due to COVID. And I think you're just seeing student athletes that are really excited to compete and they've had a chance to really perfect their craft through COVID and just really grateful for the opportunity. We are very excited for this next month. Um, And we've been waiting for a long time to have this opportunity.
1: Let's stay on that uh, that line of questioning in terms of this year specifically. I mean, obviously this, this program just continues to churn out successful seasons and successful athletes. What has made this year's team specifically special?
8: Wow. I think when you go through something similar to what we did with the pandemic, and I think you're seeing it in other sports as well, right? Like men's volleyball tomorrow night, they're playing for the Natty and those guys, we're in the same situation we were in when we got something kind of stripped away from us. And when that happens, you come back with a, with a different outlook. And I think that that is what you're seeing within this program is athletes who are grateful coaches who are grateful athletes who are refreshed and, and just chomping at the bit to compete. Um, And it's not just with our program. You're seeing that amongst programs all across the country is, is who we became through the pandemic is really evident in, in how, teams came out of it and we're really fortunate because here at byu we we did it the right way with great leadership and i think that that that's hats off to our administration uh as they worked with us but but these athletes have have been working for uh where they're at right now for years and and it's just been years in the making so it's not anything that happened in the last couple months but you're seeing it come to fruition this season
0: Talking to G. Taylor, a women's uh, cross-country and track and field coach from Eugene, Oregon, as the Cougars prepare for a meet at Hayward Field, the Hayward Twilight. Um, Top 10s are just going down every meet. Uh, It's it's incredible in all kinds of categories. Are you expecting a top 10 uh, record to go down every meet now like the rest of us?
8: Yeah, I think. Well, we're running some off events tonight, but you're still going to see some school records and some top 10 boards. Just it's just the natural progression of what these women are doing every time they get out and compete, and same with our men's program as well. Actually, all of our event areas, I could speak on behalf of every event group. It is across the board. It's not just distance specific or sprints or jumpers, throwers. It's everybody. So uh, just a really well-rounded effort from all event groups. But tonight, I think you'll see you'll see some more uh, top ten, maybe maybe another school record. Um, but I think that's just what it's going to look like for this next month.
0: Oh, another school record! Do you want to hint at what uh, school record we might be talking about here?
8: Well, I, I'm not going. I'm not going to put the cart before the horse. Ah. So you'll have to wait and see till tonight. Smart. Okay. smart. Well, smart.
0: Let, let's talk about the latest school record that went down, which was the steeplechase in Courtney Wayman. Her story is just incredible, and she continues to ravage the records. Fifth fastest steeplechase in NCAA history. Uh, you know, earlier was it earlier this week or last week? I mean, what, tell us about that performance. That was unbelievable.
8: Yeah, we knew she was pretty fit. You guys saw what she did in indoor, right? Winning a 3K championship and then anchoring our DMR team. So just a really great combination of speed and strength. She hasn't had the opportunity to steeple in quite some time. I think her last one was four years ago. Uh, I, I knew she was going to put together something special. 931 is absolutely a tremendous time for your first steeple and also doing it alone. She was alone in most of that race leading it. So uh, really good things for her and her future. Again, just an absolutely incredible time. She smashed our school record. And, and that collegiate record isn't too far off with that 924 time. So you're going to continue to see some great things from Courtney Wayman this this season.
1: They're obviously individuals on this team that we hear a lot about what are some of the 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 great stories on this team and maybe even some stories that aren't necessarily getting talked about or publicized well give give us an idea some of the storylines that are that you as coaches are aware of on this team
8: so you know I think you do see the same faces quite a bit but it looks a little different this year because you're seeing um Just from all areas, you're seeing somebody step up. From from my specific event group, I think after cross-country won the title, FlowTrack had done an interview and asked, like, who has outdoor eligibility? Like, you have some people in indoor and you have some people that ran cross-country. And my answer was everyone. And, and that is what you're seeing right now is I, I couldn't give you any storyline because everyone has stepped up. It's, it's the Anna camps who've been in the program for four years and the Sarah Musselman's that, that are running, you know, nation leading times. Um, but the depth, the depth is unreal right now. We have, we have a lot of depth and and the freshmen coming in are doing some amazing things. So I think I, I couldn't give you just two or we'd be here all day and I don't want to capitalize on, on all of this time, but, um, This everyone, I will say everyone, that's kind of our motto this year. The answer is everyone.
1: Well, and you touched on it there, but you've also mentioned it a couple of times in the interview already that things have been building towards this year. And from a coaching standpoint, how rewarding is it to be able to see that actually happen? Because I know that as a coach, you, when you get these individuals into the program, especially early, you're trying to project what you think they can do, not just in year one, but down the road. To see it come to fruition and to see what this team has done with the time that they've been given, how rewarding is that as a coaching staff?
8: It's the most rewarding thing. I think that this is why we do it. This is why we coach. You know, you don't always coach for the outcome. Some may. The outcome's great. Winning, winning is phenomenal, right? There's nothing greater than that. However, when you're alongside these athletes for the journey, the journey is what makes that outcome feel uh, as incredible as it does, and and we've we've seen that journey with these women. Um, our, our athletes have sacrificed a lot to get to this point, and it's nice to see it all come together. For me, I'm incredibly uh, proud, super humble, and, and just in, extremely grateful to be their coach. And and as they stand on the line, I'm very proud that I belong to them. So that those are my my sentiments about that.
0: Absolutely, amen to that. And uh, let's finish with this. Obviously, uh, Mother's Day weekend. Tell us how you balance having sons and uh, being an active mom and working and balancing family life and all of that as we uh, celebrate the amazing mothers uh, in our lives.
8: Well, I think being, you know, being a mom has been my greatest gift and you just compromise it's all about it's really not balance, right I was always seeking that work-life balance that doesn't exist I think it's just about making compromise work-life compromise and I'm excited my kids love my team you know my team has kind of become family as well and so they're excited to follow their success and then I'll get to go home uh tomorrow night and and celebrate Mother's Day with the boys which hasn't always happened in my career so I'm, I'm extremely grateful that I'll get to be there on Sunday with those guys.
0: Well done. That's awesome. Fun to see uh, pictures of you and your uh, sons. That's pretty cool. What are their names, by the way?
8: Taj and Abby.
0: Taj and Abby. That's awesome. Very cool. Okay, well, best of luck uh, at, in Manhattan, Kansas, and Eugene, Oregon with the teams, and uh, happy Mother's Day, Gilgit. Dil- Thank
2: you. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, time now for a recap of how the BYU draft
3: projections that Jerem and I very cautiously, painstakingly made, brought to you by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Okay, so we were like, hey, can between the two of us, can we at least Let's get, get one, one right? One like, team right. One team right. Uh, we chose no teams correctly for the players. Yeah. All 13, no. <laughs> but we did correctly predict rounds. Yep. Both of us called the third round for Brady Christensen. Yep. That happened. Yeah. Sixth pick of the third round, number 70 overall. Yeah. I said Dax Milne, my guy, most underappreciated receiver yeah. BYU ever. I
0: him higher, so he's now my guy.
3: Okay. Right. <laughs> but I knew he was going to go lucky seven. Round lucky seven. Nice.
0: Uh-huh. I, yeah, I didn't know.
3: Yeah. Washington football team.
0: And then we got, predictably, some of the undrafted free agents. Sure. Whatever.
3: Tristan Hodge to the Jets, Isaiah Kafusi to the Colts, Zane Anderson. We should have known Zane Anderson was going to go to the Chiefs. How did we overlook the fact that Zane would end up as yeah. an undrafted free agent with the Chiefs? Yeah. And then Troy Warner with Chandon the Haring Los Angeles well. Rams, Chandon Herring. Yeah. yeah. a lot of fun.
0: There were probably – Matt Bushman? Did we think Bushman was being drafted? I, can't remember.
3: I had Matt I think Bushman we had going him drafted, in the yeah. sixth or seventh round. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, good steal for the Las Vegas Raiders.
0: They've been s- stealing for a long time. <laughs> Pillaging
3: just for fun. <laughs> yes, they have. Okay, yes, this brings up a bigger question. Okay, so again, let's go. we look at this all is, the players. Was BYU's NFL draft, yes, and what they produced, picks, undrafted free agents, minicamp invite. Was that haul a bigger deal than finishing 11 and 1 and ranked number 11? In the 2020 season,
0: there's no right answer here, but let's chat. I think it's 11 and one, especially in independence where BYU is trying to continue to prove itself that it belongs, that it's at a national level. Yeah, BYU did that. People are really impressed by what happened here, headlined by Zach Wilson individually. But it takes great individuals to make a great team, and this team had great leadership, great skill, and it took advantage of a schedule that was way more manageable in terms of wins. And win 11-1, and, and that was great. And uh, here we sit after the draft looking at this. I think, obviously, they are connected. There's a synergy between success on the field and the individuals and in the draft. They are connected, although not always. like Utah State has put more BYU guys into the league, yet BYU has been more successful than Utah State the last several years and historically. But that's, that's okay. That's okay. I, I don't know what the answer here is, honestly. I, I love that it happened, it being both.
3: I'm with you. If the season doesn't happen, then the draft clearly does not happen. The season had to happen the way it did for BYU football to be in a position to have this many guys drafted and so many undrafted free agents. We're we're talking about 13 guys.
0: And if, you know, let's say six of these guys stick, that sort of changed it. Right now we're like 13, 13. Not all 13 are going to stick in the NFL. The hope is that they do, but the reality is that no, they No,
3: but there's a good chance that more than half of them do. A handful, do. yep. Perhaps more than half of them stick, at least for a year or two, practice squads.
2: That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.